Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. No more whispering in our minds. Today, we're listening to Let's Talk Black Power, a show about all the ways that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people resist, refuse, transform and reimagine. And in this, the 20th year of Let's Talk, this is your host, Ruby Warden. Welcome to Let's Talk Black Power, brand new show. My name's Ruby Wharton. I'm a Gomeroy Kuma Mardiana. And we are broadcasting loud and proud on the sovereign, unceded lands of First Nations people. And this week and this morning, I'm super, super glad that I have someone like Mr. Kevin Yaoyi here in the studio with me. Good morning. Good to be back, sis. Thanks for having me. Now, thank you for coming on. A little bit nervous? Nah. Now, the true God, we've had a big year last year listening to you with social justice. It's super, super great that you can kickstart this year with me. And it's coming off the backs of Invasion Day. Absolutely. Mm. Ruby, thank you for having me back. I really all look forward to seeing what you do this year on Let's Talk Black Power. Mm. I know towards the end of last year when me and Anna and some of the team were putting some a wish list together of possible hosts for this year, your name was definitely up the top of the top of the list. So yeah, keen to get involved and like you said, leading up to January twenty sixth, always a big time of the year for blackfellas. Mm. Mm. Well, we've had a really massive weekend across the nation by the looks of it. Everybody's been really, really loud and really ambitious with their determination of setting an agenda and setting the tone for what we're going to be seeing out of this year. And I guess we'll be covering a lot of that on Black Power. So a little bit, a little bit about me. I'm a community organiser. I work in the prison abolitionist space. I am involved in a lot, a lot of campaigns and my my parents have a bit of a history with community radio, so my mum will be joining us later this year and I'm she's really excited about that. I'm really excited about that, especially in a year where we're going to be acknowledging 20 years of to- Let's Talk. And on a day like, like today, I want to acknowledge that Uncle Peter Hill's family. Send my condolences to you, Mob. Um, Sorry I can't be there today. You're a great legacy, a part of this radio station and in my life and my family's life. And I guess I'll be setting... It's really something that we get to... I get to set the tone. We all get to set the tone in his name and in his glory. So it's really awesome that we get to have yarns like in a show like Let's talk black power. I'm really, really excited. Really, really excited for it. So I guess what I really, really want to see out of Let's Talk Black Power is just amplifying black organisers and I'm tired of being a name that everybody knows and I want to share the spotlight on people who I've organised with since I was a kid. I actually don't even know the first time I met half of these people. They're just (laughs) in my life. And you mob need to hear about the great work that they're doing. And those are the people like Leah House down in Ngunnawal country running the Aboriginal 10 embassies Invasion Day this year. She did it single-handedly. Wow. And, mother- and they turned up their mob down there, eh? They I was, did. I was watching uh, socials very closely and their mob, they, they were going hard. That's it. And they really set the agenda too for this year. And I'm really excited to hear about what the 10 embassy will be mm. doing in their 53rd year, I think it is. 
So you'll be hearing a lot about activists, a lot about academics, artists and just everyday people who want to tear down the colonial agenda here in this place and this colony. And most importantly, just shining a strength and power, strength, or shining a light on the strength and power and joy of black organisers and black people. Black resistance isn't always just really staunch, hard energy yelling, always was, always will be 24-7. It's about loving ourselves and um, we heard that come out of the NAM protest this year with Sissy Austin's speech. Oh. She spoke about black love and Chelsea Wadigo up here also spoke about black love. And I guess we're just going to talk about everything that is black and deadly and black power is black love. Absolutely. Now, Ruby, you're no stranger to the airwaves. I mean, I remember I had you on the show last year and you were yarning me up about um, when you were a kid you were on the airwaves down in, what, Gadigal country? Yeah, so Koori Radio, they used to do a young people's training program and I was down there with mum every other holiday and the best childcare she could think of was <laughs> putting me in that training program and that was really awesome. So I got to be taught by people like Lola Forrester who's still on the airs yeah, down in Gadigal. Yeah, shout out to auntie. She's still yeah, there, eh, running the ball. She is. She Ooh. called me the other day. I got to call her back, don't out myself on the radio. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then there was people like Brad Cook was running the radio station back then. It was it was a whole other... Miss Ashley Donahue was on the airways. It was a whole other, whole other world. And so you've was, come full circle. Now you've got your own show, Black Power, once a week on Let's Talk. Ruby, I can't wait to see what you do. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. Really, really excited. You mob can't get enough of me at rallies, so <laughs> I guess you stuck with me for a couple of months. Tell me, Ruby... January 26th, obviously full mob around the country. Mm. Um, you know, it can be difficult leading up to those days. What gives you strength? What what motivates you? You are no stranger to the front lines. I met you many years ago, I think, at one of the marches and rallies here. Um, what, what, what sort of keeps you going in the lead up and post Invasion Day? I guess um, what keeps me going is the lead up to the organising and just actually doing the work and putting in the work before the actual rally and most of the organisers are parents uh, so we get to see a lot of the children most of the time and I guess seeing them run around amongst the business of organising and having meetings, it puts everything in a perspective. It's like we're, we're really just doing a massive shoulder workout here with our organising so that these children can stand upon our shoulders mm. one day. We're just doing the extensions of that work and I guess we we always look for that instant gratification. There isn't any instant gratification in this fight. But the one thing that we do instantly seek gratification from is our babies and that joy and that love and then meeting their claimed cousins for the first time and and then witnessing that moment and realising that that's going to be a core memory for them one day and how special it is that you're a part of that memory. Mm. And I guess that's the reason that keeps me going is that there, there's joy right in front of us and they're the exact reason and the only reason that we do this. There's, like Chelsea Wadigo says, to wake up in a, in a colony every day that wishes us dead is, is a feat amongst itself and that, those little black giggles is exactly mm. what puts me through it all, gets me through it all. And then coming out of it, I guess it's the same. Just witnessing those babies, I got to see a lot of. I was up on the on the 
orange road blockades making a bit of noise because at some points the march might have been a bit quiet. And then seeing all these little white eyes just look up at me and then seek permission from their parents and then them jumping up with me, yeah. that's, that's everything. Ooh. That just fills my heart up, fills my whole cup up. I'm done for the rest of the year. That's it. You know, when I think about black power, and I think it's really important that you mentioned, you know, the importance of having our young ones there, right? Mm. I mean, when we think about the settler colonial project and settler colonialism, this isn't stopping anytime soon. Mm. It's not going going away anytime soon. It's not a matter of, oh, once we get to the finish line, everything stops, Mm. Um, which is why it's so important that we do take our young ones along um, to, to, you know, instill that that fire, but also so they can watch and learn and see... What's being done? What's being done well? Okay. What being what could be done better? Because the next crew and the next mob to come behind us are just going to get better and better at this. Exactly. You know, and 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 this is where the the training grounds are, mm. which I'm sure a lot of us have you know had that same similar experiences growing up. Almost definitely. I I enjoyed the I enjoyed being at the back of the march the most this year, and then seeing all these photos of my young little sister. Mayetta Spearum lead the front march painted up in Gomeroy paint up with a big megaphone that she refused to let go of. <laughs> and it's just so... It's addictive. It's, Can I just say that yeah. megaphone, as someone who's, yeah. who's marched along with it, it's very addictive to have that in your hand. It's the most empowering I thing. I tell you. It's the most. It's the best. But, like, just to see kids claim that space is... Oh, that's, that's just the absolute cherry on top of the... T- on top of the cake. Well, I think I remember even seeing Bo at some point sharing his megaphone with the kids at some point, and I was like, yeah, I love to see this. Yeah, if you heard little black voices scream down, tear down the colony in between speeches, that was them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Brother Bo Spirum. He played a big part here at Let's Talk as well. He's no stranger to the studios. That's it. He was, yeah, he was right there at the start of my activist career, getting all the first interviews, I guess, Mm-mm. for Let's Talk. Tell me, Ruby... Not not all of us have the honour and privilege of being able to do marches and rallies with mm. our parents mm. or with our mum or our dads. Um, some of us don't have our parents still with us. Um, some of our parents just can't do those rallies and marches. Mm. Yours can. Yeah. He, Tell yeah. me about your father and what that, must that like be like for you to share that stage with Uncle Coco and... Um, to run the ball and to read the play, as you say, mm-hmm. with your father on the front lines? Oh, it's easy when you've got him on the sideline yelling. <laughs> if, you, if you've seen him at QMC <laughs> screaming for the Brisbane Blacks, you know what I'm talking about. Here him first, you reckon? Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> but I guess, no, it is, like you said, it's really, really special to be able to march with Dad. And I guess I've been doing it my whole life. My first ever memories of learning protest chances yelling out, always, who owns this land, we do, who stole this land, they did, always was, always will be, down Main Street in Katamala with mum and dad. Uh-uh. I'm about four or five and that's just what we're doing. It's not a protest or an occasion but it's something that they always instilled. I have core memories. My first core memory of the 10 Embassy is running around in between people's tents chasing after, after their little camp dogs. Like it's... I have amazing memories of people at the embassy taking all us kids to the museum one day while the parents did some kind of demonstration. Like, these are just the things that my dad thought that we needed as kids. 
and we we reflect growing up and it's really remarkable that we he exposed us to a lot of it he took the time and the value he really really values resistance and values this community and i think um a lot of people don't see that about dad um all the time you can kind of get caught up in the facade of the black man that he is and but once you get to know him you know that he's just a massive patriarch and a big soft bear when it comes to his kids and his community there's absolutely no extent that he'll go to and that's what he's taught me through organizing and it's really amazing that it's, I mean, on Invasion Day this year, when I saw him in the morning, he had gout. And he had just he forgot to take his medication oh. in the height of all the organising the night before. And he was looking for somebody's A-frame so he could do the march. Bless. But the, luckily the medication kicked in and he inspired everybody to go to the Gabba, which yeah. was amazing, I might say. I didn't go through. But just to see the crowd split, it was a very big split that went to the Gabba and my dad was really, really proud of the young fella, Kruby Neal, who got across yeah, on the pitch. Yeah, shout out. And just proud of all the young people who led that. Yeah. Dad, dad was just chuffed. So okay. proud. Goosebumps. So proud of everybody. Um, I remember thinking when um, Uncle Coco gave us the options of, okay, if you're heading to Musgrave, go to that corner. Mm. If you want to come and ruin the cricket, come to this corner. And I just thought, that's when you know we're deadly. We've got options up yeah. here. <laughs> Yeah, it's not just one straight line for Brisbane Blacks. No, absolutely There's options. Not. Where do you want to go? Musgrave or you want to go to Gabba? That's it. And after, I think Dad said to everybody after um, the Gabba was, all right, you mob, come on now. We've done, <laughs> we've done our time. We'll go have fun back in Musgrave with the rest of the mob. Yeah. And it just goes to show, like, just how fun this this year's was such a did you feel a different I, I a different energy felt this year? A different, I mean to be fair I was very hungover on Friday. <laughs> um shout out to all the all the mob who went to see Montel Jordan and Black Street on Thursday night. But um I felt that there was a sense of um and I look sis, I don't know. I don't know, given the last hundred days with what's mm. been happening in Gaza and Palestine and I know a lot of um Blackfellas, activists and otherwise right across the colony have been running, um, have been really standing with solidarity with Palestinians. So I don't know whether this, whether that past hundred days mm. contributed to this, this energy and this feeling that happened on Friday. But um, that was something that I, when I think of black power and I think about the resistance of, you know, settler colonialism here and elsewhere, it was so empowering to see so much, so many Palestinian flags. Mm, that's it. That's exactly right. To have Palestinians get up on the stages and 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 to give speeches with black followers mm. was really powerful. That's it. We're walking into the park before I got to Queen's Gardens. I went into a shop to get a drink, and before I could pay, there was a, a fellow with a um, kefir on, and he just as he I went to pay, he's like, "Stop, stop! I'm I've got this. You, no, actually, go back and get a bigger bottle. I got that." Less. You deserve more on today. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that really set the tone. Yeah. And we've been turning up every Sunday for Palestinian mob here in this place and around the country. And it, it was really special on Invasion Day to see so many Palestinian flags and hear from Palestinian voices on on our Nakba. Uh-uh. And I guess we not only do we draw a lot of conclude uh, draw to, draw a lot of similarities, but we just ultimately calling on better Australia because that's what we're doing on this day. We're, we're calling 
from massive changes in this place. We're calling for structural, structural reforms, but better yet, abolish everything. Abolishes things that do not serve the people. Laws reflect people. Laws reflect people. Laws reflect community. So let's build safer communities. Abolish those uh, toxic laws. Abolish toxic prisons. And that was essentially what we heard. And acknowledging that Gaza and the West Bank are the largest open-air prisons that we're seeing in the world at the moment. Abolition is a very, very worthwhile theory and philosophy and idea that a lot of people should start investing in. And we're going to talk a lot about that throughout the year. But to see and hear from Palestinians and to see young people chant free, free Gaza amongst always, um, amongst the always was, always will be chant was just absolutely remarkable and empowering and I saw that Al Jazeera was sharing a lot of our stuff and it was a nationwide thing it was amazing. It was a nationwide thing yeah. and, it, and it really was Blackfellas mm. standing in like we always have in solidarity. We're not free until we're all free so in spite of what the likes of Langton mm. and Paris say um, mm. Blackfellas have been standing in solidarity We have. And uh, how could you not, whether you were there in person on Friday or online or watching the news, not see that mm. reflected back at you? Mm. Um, yeah, it was quite astonishing in the lead up that that there might be conversations that we weren't somehow allowed to, you know, to fly the Aboriginal flag with solidarity mm. with the Palestinian flag. That's it. I've I've heard some comments about the Palestinian and Murray flag down on Boundary Street. And that's really, that's really disheartening that people are so threatened by a bit of splash of colour make that, makes that brick, that concrete looks a bit nicer, I think. It covers up the potholes. But what do I know? It's apparently it's, it can be quite, quite touchy for some other people. But most importantly, the vibe that came out of Invasion Day in that solidarity was the utmost peace. And I don't think I've ever felt that level of calm in a protest before, especially an Invasion Day protest. I'm always super heightened. But I guess Sam Watson and all the other organisers did a really, really deadly job here in Mianjin this year. Hats off to everybody involved. There was a lot of work, tireless meetings every Monday and Wednesday nights, which is still ongoing down at Musgrave Park in Jagra Hall. So if you're ever, ever around on a Monday or Wednesday night, go on throughout 6 o'clock. And we're actually going to hear a couple of speeches from the remarkable, amazing, talented, wise folks that we heard from on Invasion Day here in Meganjin. So, who we got first? I think we got... Let's hear from Chelsea, hey? Yeah, let's go. Professor Chelsea Wadigo. Professor Chelsea Wadigo! Thank you, my sister. As the late Chris Phillips said, my people, my people, I want to acknowledge the unceded sovereignty of the Turrbal and Yagara people. As a, as a visitor to this place, we feel the power of the spirit here. We are all strengthened by it. That's why we're known as the Brisbane Blacks. That's why they know who we are. I also want to acknowledge the unceded sovereignty of the Palestinian people. I want to acknowledge your grief. I want to acknowledge your pain. But I also want to acknowledge your joy 
your beauty and your power. Standing up today, every day, everywhere, and just know... Just know, despite what Langton, what Paris, what Mundine, what the Australian would have you believe, we stand with you. They accused us this year of hijacking the event when we stood in solidarity with Palestine. Shame. Every year we have stood here and said no pride in genocide. And when we say no pride in genocide, we mean here and everywhere, from West Papua to Palestine. Last year, Sister Ruby Wharton told you to read the play. We're going to read the play. Last year, they accused blackfellas of hijacking this day in our calls for a treaty. And again, you have been here every year. Blackfellas have not asked for a voice. We've used our voice to call for a treaty. Now, I want to speak to you blackfellas who may have vested your hopes in that voice. And I want to speak to you not as an activist. I want to speak to you as a researcher. And I ask you to take a look at the evidence base. The Prime Minister Albanese said on October 14th, the Australian people have spoken. You know what they said? We don't deserve shit. Not even an advisory body. We've got to listen to that. And here in the state of Queensland, the voice and the violence was particularly loud. This place had the highest no vote in the country. But apparently it's on track to a treaty. We know we weren't surprised by that result. Our people have lived under the Act. We trace our family trees by the violence of that legislation. We know the violence of this place and we'll speak the truth of it today and every day. And the truth is, the evidence base says, here in the state of Queensland, we are the only state that is increasing the rates of Indigenous child incarceration. Where else but Queensland, hey? under a state Labor government on track to a treaty. Now this isn't because here we have a genetic predisposition to criminality. It is by design. And if you haven't paid attention, the Queensland, Queensland government have made various uh, youth justice reforms, suspending the Human Rights Act to incarcerate our kids. I want to remind you of the theme for this year's NAIDOC week, Keep the Fire Burning. And Sister Ruby Wharton has told this story and I'm sure she's going to remind us again. Keep the Fire Burning is not a metaphor, it is not a catchphrase, it is not a slogan. It was a directive that was issued on the 40th anniversary of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy on this very day. It is a directive for us to turn up and fight every day and you've got to know that the fire burns brightest in the hearts and minds of souls of sovereign blackfellas we're going to turn up each and every day we're going to take the pain and the power of this very moment and we're going to turn up and fight everywhere and anywhere
And just know they will ridicule you, they'll demonise you, they'll belittle you. But remember today, in those fights, we are all standing with you. Thank you. Where do we begin with that one? You can't say what's been said. <laughs> Chelsea just might drop that one. It was, that was everything. That was, I think, the most articulated version of this conversation that you can have on a platform like Invasion Day. Chelsea really nailed it, speared it right through the heart on that one. It was, the referendum's really hard to talk about. Oh. Like, no matter what side that you were on, it, it was confronting, no matter which way. Agreed. I know that from the sovereign no side, we, we were confronted with losing community. That, that was the most disheartening thing about the process. And I guess with the obvious outcome, that was the most gut-wrenching thing to witness. But like how Chelsea began, this is about black power and black love and black joy. Yeah. And, you know, I think Prof made a... First of all, I, I love seeing our black academics out there. Mm. You don't see that as, as much as we should. And this was the first time we've been able to get her on the microphone there at now. Invasion Day, so feeling really stoked about that. There now. I mean, how lucky we are to, to have the lineup of speakers that we did on Friday, but I, I particularly liked how Charles also spoke about the hypocrisy of talking about things like tracks to treaty mm. while in this state of Queensland last year we suspended the Human Rights Act not once, but twice. The Human Rights Act have only been up for a couple of years and we've suspended that twice yeah. to implement harsher laws to um, further criminalise and jail young people. And not just young people, but when we look at it, it's, it's going to be particularly harsh for black families and black children. Mm, most definitely. Most, most definitely. For, just to carry on with that, like, just to hear so many people or parties abandon treaty, like as an election campaign and tactic, that's, that's pure embarrassment. That is an absolute stain on our history and our, what we're witnessing. Like how are we supposed to dream and encourage our babies to dream if they're observing that on the TV and they have questions about it? It makes me, makes me upset. But to hear from Professor Chelsea Wadigo, it just inspires you to to dare to be ambitious, to dare to challenge these institutions that we exist in, whether it be the primary schools, the secondary mm. schools, kindy, the local footy club, no matter where it is. And I know that a lot of people will be combating that as we... I know mum received a few phone calls from good old Narrabri there a couple of days ago. Was that your daughter I saw on mm. the news? Yes. Yes, it was Ruby Rose. <laughs> And they were a bit surprised about all the pro-Palestinian stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, which I was, you know, I was like, okay, we can have these, have these yarns. But what we saw on Invasion Day was just pure black power and pure love and Chelsea really summarised that whole feeling, that whole feeling. And so I, I know that many, many others did that throughout the, throughout the day and in particular, Amy Maguire. Oh, she want to knock it off. And who does she think she is? I, I caught up with Amy. I bumped into Amy after her speech in a rally, and I reckon, sis, 
I hope you got some spare bucks to bail me out of jail because you just fired me up. Mm. I'm about to go out here and get locked up because the fire that she just instilled in all of us, the way that she broke it down, the way that she, I don't know, there was just, it, 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 I'd not seen many like that before, mm. you know. Professor Amy Maguire here in the flesh. She didn't muck around. She didn't come to play. No. And, and you know, I, I, I love because I love what we do as, you know, um, you know, shout out to yourself, but also, you know, Sam Watson and mm. others who, who really organised this year's event. But what I love is, particularly in this space, is mob who have been running the ball in other spaces, whether it be mm. creatively, whether it be academically, whether it be online, those mob are often the ones that are tapped on the shoulder to say, hey, You've been running the ball really hard out there in your in your different lanes. Do you want to come and have a word up here? Because yeah. it's not often we have seen Amy get up on Invasion Day. Yeah. And then I know, you know, with the pro-Palestinian um, rallies and marches that we've been having over these past few months, Amy has been a, a key figure in some of those. But to see Amy on Friday in all um, her glory, um, I, I just thought it did something. That's it. I really loved with... Loved what she had to say and in the in the terms of talking about an amnesia Ooh, that we've all been living in i've never we won't heard, forget i was really really taken aback by that by that articulation that she had because it's absolutely right and she was speaking in the context of disappeared Ooh. first nations women and absolutely right again like a, just a clear clear line and it's amazing that we, it, well, it's not even amazing, it's embarrassing that majority of us have forgotten about these kinds of topics in our community. And it was really beautiful to see Amy bring everything in, in the most articulate and powerful way. She had so much raw emotion in her delivery and I think that was the most captivating thing for everybody. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, are we going to listen to a little bit of Amy's or are we going to check out um, also someone else who are actually wondering, Ruby, if we can check out mm. um, Cheryl's. Mm. Cheryl, who was our MC on the day, yeah. um, who's, who, again, is no stranger to the front lines. And shout out to Cheryl on everything, you know, she does in community. She, she um, read a speech, wrote a speech and read a speech on Friday. I'm wondering if we can go to that. Amazing. He was a poet, he was an academic, and he was a staunch fighter for Palestinian freedom. About a couple of months ago now, his apartment, where he was in hiding, in um, trying to protect himself and many extended members of his family, was struck by drone strike. Not an accident, very deliberate, and demonstrably, in the face of it, coordinated. None of us are safe and free if a poet, an academic, can be killed by drone strike. No one in the world is safe. I'd like to dedicate this poem to his memory and his family. It is called, If I Must Die, Let It Be a Tale, a reference to one of his final poems. This is the tale of a poet's vow that a soldier stormed his table where he dared to write, live and love his family, he would throw his pen in their faces, so in death as in life. If Rifat must die and we must live, we are all Palestinian and all country is Palestine, each feather, each stone wet with tears, headwater of memory and truth. 
And speaking of truth, if Rifat must die and we must live, let us all start again at childhood. Children who grow up to be poets, who teach their children to be poets, poets who throw their pens at soldiers. If Rifat must die and we must live and fly the kite of peace, make of us a wind that carries aloft white kite and rights alike. And the will of humanity and food and water and shoes and bandages and ribbons for ponytails and handmade wands for bubbles. Let us be strong enough to carry them all. And speaking of treaties, if Rifat must die and we must live, let the pen he cast be the one to write it. Let soldiers' hands be the ones to sign it and let our hands be the ones to carry it to the shore fashion it a paper boat and float it westward where battleships are no more to tell the tale of Rifat Alaria. Oh, my big cousin Cheryl, she did that one good, didn't she? She don't play either, no. Miss Cheryl. No, not at all. Hey. Fear of God in me. <laughs> I, was, I was literally 10 metres away from Cheryl when she read that and I thought it was powerful then but just listening to the, the, the words and, and the clear messaging mm. in that poem really speaks to this moment. That's it. I love this line about throwing pens at soldiers mm. and the power of pen and, and the power of um, what can happen when we have the power to tell our own narratives. Um, and I know what's been happening in the Gaza Strip and Palestine, many have spoken about... This is um, perhaps an, the ver- very first time in history that folks have been able to document mm. genocide in real time. Yeah. And I think the power of Cheryl's poem on Friday, on January 26th, when this place changed, speaks to that um, incredibly well. Most definitely. And ties in so well com- with what's ha- what we can do currently to help Palestine Ooh. is going into the ICC, um, cri- like the International Criminal Court at the moment, which big ups to Mexico and Chile for taking Israel Ooh. to the court. We can actually, there's a portal on that website where we can actually submit evidence. So anything we see on socials, anything that we see from Palestinians that we follow, we can actually f- further screenshot evidence, submit to that portal, and that that's one way that we can help. Absolutely. And being in this being in this way that we can document things and yep. it's important that we take take those pens and grab our whatever resources we have. And it's and it's hard not to on January twenty sixth, invasion day, day of mourning, depending on what you call it, it is it is hard not to draw similarities mm. to what's happening. It's mm. it, 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 I, I I'm lost for words. Yeah. You you can't not talk about Invasion Day here mm. and then not draw similarities to what's happening elsewhere. That's exactly it's, right. It's, you know, um, Prof Wadigo spoke about this is by design. These settler colonialism as a colonial project are, are by design. They have a very specific way in which they play out in different places. So, um, yeah, shout out to Cheryl. Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful poem. And I guess, like, that's a perfect recap, too, of Invasion Day. And the it's a perfect call and demand mm. for who we have to be and what we have to do and what our responsibility with this level of privilege, whatever level of privilege that we live with on our day-to-day lives, 
if we can hold a pen, we can we can change the future. That part. And I'm wondering, and I know we well, I know we have to wrap up at some point, but you know something, sis, that I've noticed changed this year leading up to Invasion Day. Um, I don't see it hashtagged as much. I don't see posts as much. I don't see banners and placards with it. Is um, I'm finding less and less people asking to change the date. Mm. Have you noticed? I have. I have. I was just having a yarn with a couple of mob over the weekend, like just bewildered that we haven't actually had to lead the Abolish Australia Day campaign as staunchly as we have in the past. And it's been over 10 years of that. And it's really nice to see other young black content creators and educators on various social platforms educate people on Abolish Australia Day. It's amazing. And, like, it's just, it's really nice that there's a further education, I guess, is, like, going back on what we said earlier, that there isn't any instant gratification out of this. This mm. took 10 years. Yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm only 27. Mm-mm. Like, so this is... And I remember yarning with older war members when they started yarning internally about this campaign. And I was like, hold up. This is a bit full on. Let's... And they're like, Baba, you're too young to know. Just follow the lead. <laughs> yeah. And look where they led us. It's, exactly. I'll give them their props on this one. They, the old dogs taught the young dog the new trick. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's just remarkable because the best thing about this revolution is that everything's an extension of what's been done before. So I could only imagine we'll find, hope that we'll find out what it looks like in this year, what the extensions of Abolish Australia Day Ooh. look like. Because I don't think it will look like anything that I've imagined. Well, I just think, I know for myself personally, and and I'm not too ashamed to admit this, but that was me 10 years ago, Mm. hashtag change the date, because I was like, oh, no, like, we've got to have something. Yeah. We've got to have something. And I remember you or or Bo or one of the war crew many, many, many years ago up on the megaphones going, well, tell me a date that's the right to celebrate genocide. Yeah. And then right that moment I went, well, of course, we can't just change this date. Yeah. We have to abolish it and, and abolish everything that it, that it means and that it signifies, mm. right? Mm. And this is why I think it was so important and shout out to Uncle Coco to lead that rally and lead that march to the Gabba because what I'm finding is that white folk and white Australia are still finding ways to celebrate mm. this place on that particular day. Mm. And you, 10 years ago... South Bank was always packed. Always. It went now. That's it. And you watch, I, and I hope, I hope that in years to come, we continue to go to the Gabba and ruin the cricket. Mm. Well, the big, I guess I didn't touch on that. The biggest call and demand from that little demonstration that Dad really wanted to put out was that we need to actually take action against international games, on in the, especially leading into the Olympics. It just makes Olympics. so much sense, Ruby. Well, I'm very proud of the NAM. There was a collective down in NAM who've gone and they challenged the tennis down yeah. there, I think it was. And they also set up um, Camp, Camp Freedom or Camp Sovereignty. Uncle Robbie Thorpe, who we'll hear from in a couple of weeks, um, he set up in the King's Domain Camp mm-hmm. Sovereignty, so mm-hmm. that's amazing. Um, but the biggest thing that Uncle Robbie and Dad have been yarning about with all these young ones is you can't come out here and celebrate or in like play international games on sovereign lands yes. when, when we are dying and when there are other people around the world that are dying. We need to take international action. 
action against these kinds of things. You can't play until these people can play. Mm-mm. And, you know, I don't know whether it's because we've, we've been out here every year, year in, year out, but it's almost like that march between the city and Musgrave, it's in recent years at least, it's been quite clear, mm. you know. It's almost as though people know, oh, the, the blacks are going to be shutting down the city, the yep. blacks are going to be going over that bridge and they're heading to Musgrave. So okay. we're just going to keep clear of this space, we'll give them their little march. No good. Yeah, the blackfellas rocked up at the Gabba and what? Mm. And, like, then Kruby Neal got across the field. Amazing. Young I loved it. I loved it all. I love I love blackfellas. I love how we resist. I love... I love this power in it, but I also love the comedy in all of it too. Yep. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of it on the day. And I think that's the best thing about coming to the Brisbane Blacks is that not only do we get to go out there and make all that noise, but we also get to come back to Musgrave and have a bit of a boogie. Yeah. And there's nothing better than seeing your favourite auntie or your favourite uncle up there doing their gammon little signature yeah. dance moves. Yeah. It's amazing. And look, you can... You just get it all. You get it all on Invasion Day. You get absolutely everything. Yeah. But we're almost coming to an end. This is the first ever episode of Let's Talk Black Power. You'll be hearing plenty from me in the new weeks. And you'll be hearing from Kevin once a month. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Ruby. I'm so excited. I'll be back once a month. And I can't wait to see what lineup of speakers you have. Because I'm telling you, I'm pretty connected. I thought I could get some pretty deadly guests on last year, and I did. Mm. But I'm really looking forward to see who you can grab, Ruby. Because mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, a few of us tried for Barker almost for the entire year. And I, I know you got connection yeah, there. I've got a phone number right here. There now. There now. <laughs> so, no, thank you, Ruby, for having me on this morning. No, thank you for coming on. The nerves have definitely been shaken off now. Well and truly getting comfortable and warm in this seat. Might have to stay here for a bit because that muggy weather outside's not a vibe. Not a vibe at all. But there are upcoming events for you, Mob, to take notice of. On Wednesday, the 31st of January, you can join activists to shut down the Farah in a picket outside of Farah Engineering at 344 New Cleveland Road in Tingalpa. If you haven't been following, Farah Engineering are the sole supplier and manufacturer for the mechanisms that holds and releases bombs in Lockheed Martin F-35 jet fighters. These jet fighters have been used by the Israeli Defence Force to drop approximately 900 kilograms of joint attack ammunition bombs. Wait, munition bombs on people in Gaza. But as if you can't make it to Wednesday, you can definitely make it to Sunday's action um, for Palestine. Megan, oh, I'm going to get this right next next week. I promise you, mob. Maganjan, as we protest the Australia's government appalling complicity in the ongoing genocide in Gaza and the recent decision to withdraw aid funding the UN Refugee Agency for Palestinians. But as well, you'll be able to come along on Friday, 2nd February, to join us at the Trans Prisoner Solidarity Film and Panel at 6pm onward at Echo and Bounce in Woolloongabba. There's an entry by donation and cash bar on the night. And you'll get to hear from myself as well as my amazing boss, Deb Kilroy, and Professor Sandy O'Sullivan, and an amazing special performance of Criminal Queers, an abolitionist comedy. So put that in your diaries and I hope to see you all there. No more whispering in our mind. Let's talk 
Monday to Friday at 9am on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeartRadio. You can catch up on AAA.org.au, proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.